Welcome to the Pretend Political Pundit series on Tea with Dr. J. Election Day is nine weeks away, and Americans have a decision to make. Re-elect Donald Trump or elect a new president, former Vice President Joe Biden. Voters are being bombarded with messages, and campaigns are fighting hard and dirty. But all campaigns usually end up with some dirty politics. Social media allows the jabs to be constant. We don't have to wait for attack ads on television. We just open Facebook or Twitter and see the back and forth between candidates and supporters. Truth is being questioned daily by our current president, who likes to spread misinformation and blames others for the misinformation. So what should we believe? What messages should we listen to? What are the candidates' techniques to persuade the voter? As voters, what is our purpose during campaign season? Let's explore these questions and more and try to make all of us better informed voters before Election Day. So sit back with a cup of tea, an open mind, well, a very open mind, and let's discuss dirty politics. In 1992, Kathleen Hall Jamison wrote a book titled Dirty Politics, Deception, Distraction, and Democracy. You're probably thinking, 1992? Politics seemed tame back then. Kathleen Hall Jamison shows in her book how campaign discourse and visually evocative ads were blurring the process. Updating this notion, I think now we can add that social media is blurring the process. The campaign discourse is amplified and the evocative ads are constant. So what can we do? We can do what Jamison suggests. She says, a focus on strategy invites viewers and readers to see themselves not as voters, but as spectators, evaluating the performance of those bent on cynical manipulation, end quote. We as viewers and readers, and especially as voters, need to recognize these strategies political campaigns use to manipulate us and why it works. I want to take some of these concepts Jameson discusses in her book and update the ideas. When people ask me about misinformation and sharing information online, I always say remember... Not all information is created equal. Well, Jameson has the same line in her book when it comes to information and campaigns. When we look at how Trump frames protests, he sees a much different version that is highlighted on the news and by Joe Biden. What does Trump see that most Americans don't see or experience? Because not all information given to the voter is created equally. What is said on the news is one type of story frame. Now, what Trump or Biden says, those are another type of story frames. During the national conventions, both the Republicans and Democrats had very different themes to their narratives about America. Trump painted a bleak, dark world. Then Biden's campaign told a different story about America, filled with hope, hope, and unifying messages. The us versus them messages that Trump explains is not a new argument. It's been around since the beginning of elections. 
Jameson notes candidates challenge each other on who is American enough. We saw Barack Obama's mixed race come into play when some right-wing conservatives claimed Obama was not born in America and demanded to see his birth certificate. Now, Kamala Harris, Biden's vice presidential pick, she experienced the same argument because of her mixed race. They questioned where she was born. It makes the voter question, are they American enough? Campaigns love to stereotype. Like with both Obama and Kamala, they are both mixed race, and that means they must not be American, right? Stereotypes paint pictures in our heads. Jameson mentions Walter Lippmann's 1922 book, Public Opinion. His words still ring true today about stereotypes. We take features and attributes to differentiate groups. Trump is very good at taking features and attributes to stereotype. If a woman speaks out against him or is forceful with her opinions, she's called nasty. He calls Hispanic immigrants bad people and aliens. He calls COVID-19 the China virus. Trump is the king of campaigners to stereotype. Why? Because it paints a picture in your head. So when you refer to issues or a person, that stereotype is the first thing you see and want to talk about to others. As Jameson points out, the prejudices we hold are institutionalized in the Constitution. Blacks were property, and the word man in the founding documents, well, as Jameson points out, was taken to, was taken to mean precisely that. What has changed today? I hate to say this, but not as much as one thought. But that's why we see so much chaos. Some people want change, and with any fight for change, is the opposition yelling no, because it's always been this way. Change happens in the midst of chaos. It used to be that television campaign ads shaped the news. Candidates have more control over their messages today. They don't have to rely on traditional media to spread their message. The power of ads is not shaping news as they once were. Big data can target specific messages and political ads to specific audiences online. Trump's tweets shape the news agenda. Campaign ads are now meant to go viral through social media channels and then counterattacked by opponents within hours instead of days. One tweet can change the news cycle. Yes, television attack ads still run in battleground states, and not all voters are social media users. Whereas in the late 80s and early 90s, when Jameson's book was written, attack ads shaped the news cycle. But the pseudo-events created online now shapes the language and the pictures of news as Jameson claimed television ads used to. Yes, it's still essential for candidates to do press conferences. Press conferences can give news media that soundbite, and it can make a candidate look in control and news savvy. The news media can help tell the story of the campaign. But the media also likes to gamify the campaign process. As Jameson says, we refer to terms to describe the campaigns with adjectives like war, 
front runner, underdog, horse race, you know, games. The result of the game is to win and to win big. We digest information when it's framed as a story. And what I love is that Jameson in her book talks about candidates as performers. You often hear others say he looked presidential or he sounded presidential. That's the expected performance. Jameson warns that the danger in seeing candidates as actors is that our expectations will lure them into becoming the person they pretend to be. So did voters see Trump as a more dynamic, charismatic man and Hillary Clinton controversial? When we see candidates as performers, we risk not allowing candidates to show their true selves. Clinton never had a chance to be perceived as presidential, and we hardly ever saw her step out of her comfort zone just to be herself. She often was too reserved, while Trump became outspoken and the one with the edge. Playing it safe can sometimes ruin a candidate's performance. Now that Trump's performance is being reevaluated, is Trump's performance repetitive and not as dynamic and charismatic? Has his performance gone flat? Are we back to wanting a president to act and sound, sound presidential? And one further question. Has Trump's campaign jumped the shark? We all know Trump loves a good narrative, but does it work? Jameson discusses the problem promise performance versus the strategy structure. She says the problem promise performance structure is that of an argument. The strategy structure is a narrative. So which one is stronger? The problem promise performance form compares and contrasts. It brings out evidence to the candidate's argument. Remember President George H.W. Bush's famous line, read my lips, no new taxes? That was a strategy structure, a narrative. As Jameson points out, how would the administration pay for all the items he proposed during his campaign? There's no evidence to support the no new tax strategy, and that one narrative may have cost him a second term. Jamison says the strategy structure fails to tie either problems or proposed solutions to candidates in a beneficial way. We have two candidates. One is arguing with evidence and proof, and the other is telling a story. In this campaign, Biden is the problem promise performance candidate. And of course, Trump is the strategy structure because Trump concentrates on only the narrative. He never gives any evidence to any of his accusations or arguments. Trump's strategy is about winning. That's it. It's all about the strategy of winning compared to Biden, who shows proof and evidence in his arguments. Especially when he is talking about Trump on Twitter. Biden's campaign usually quotes tweets with responses that share proof and evidence. As for Trump, his tweets are filled with misinformation and sometimes his tweets are now tagged by Twitter for misleading information on either COVID-19 or about voting. As Jameson says, argument invites us instead to apply tests of evidence. Twitter had to supply the evidence that Trump failed to provide but instead, he misled people to believe mail-in voting is fraudulent. But he doesn't 
discuss how he's voted by mail in many elections. Every politician is a performer, but not all are strong storytellers. Trump is a strong storyteller. Biden is strong in framing arguments with evidence, but he also has a strong life story of love and loss that connects people. I smiled when I read the last chapter of Jameson's book, where she talks about talk shows such as Donahue that created an opportunity to speak directly to candidates. Fast forward almost 30 years, and the opportunity to engage with candidates is in no need for a studio audience. Social media amplifies the candidates' messages. Citizens are a part of the daily conversation. Media sometimes takes the common Twitter sentiment that day and allows that to set the news agenda. So what can we do as voters? We can look past the dirt being thrown and concentrate on the candidates' plans. No election is won by what someone says in a tweet. Already instilled beliefs win an election. We should become spectators. We should start analyzing the game that is being played between the two candidates. We should look deep within a candidate's rhetoric and ask ourselves, can this be proven? Does this person lay out a plan on their campaign website? If you look at Trump's website, he has no plans, just what he has accomplished in the past four years. Biden lays out plans. Trump's kept promise webpage shows a lot of executive orders, mostly showing his personal power over the office. Joe Biden's website has very detailed plans, not bulleted points, but extensive plans with information you would need to make an informed decision. Do your homework. That's the most important thing a voter can do. Do you want someone to tell you what they have done? Or do you want to have someone have a well-thought-out action plan? Asking all of us, where do we go from here? Will all plans come to fruition? No. But, but at least you know they have one. The two candidates have two different styles, two different performances, two different rhetorical styles. Will Americans vote for four more years with Trump or do they want a new presidential style of leadership and go with Joe Biden? Now, don't think about the polls. Follow the information from credible sources and from the candidates themselves. Do you have to interpret their words or do you understand clearly what the plan is? No presidential candidate is perfect. We never will agree with all that a candidate stands for. I just ask that you vote and learn about where to vote early. And don't let anyone put the power of doubt in your mind about voter fraud, not even the President of the United States. Choose wisely. Become a spectator. Choose while armed with information when you go to vote. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Janet Johnson, hoping to make you a better informed voter.